like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Wow, you are in for a heaping serving of heart, power, and depth for today's Song of the Soul. We'll be speaking with and sharing the music of Jacob George. Jacob did three tours of duty in Afghanistan, and even without knowing it, he was transformed and morally injured in the process. He slowly came to realize what had happened to him, and he's been on a long journey of healing since, a journey that he shares in his new CD coming out May 1st called Soldier's Heart. It's an inspirational story of transformation perfectly fitted to Northern Spirit Radio's purpose. And Northern Spirit Radio is brought to you by a conjunction of efforts and support, among them the greatest of which is the great work of your local community radio stations. Remember to support them back with your donations. You are, of course, always invited to support Northern Spirit Radio, including by donations via the NorthernSpiritRadio.org website. And finally, support for this program came from Friends Journal, a monthly magazine whose mission is to communicate Quaker experience in order to connect and deepen spiritual lives online at friendsjournal.org. If you or your organization wants to help underwrite Northern Spirit Radio, contact us via the web. Right now, we go to join Jacob George by phone in Arkansas. Jacob, I'm just totally excited to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Well, I'm excited to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm also excited that tomorrow's the big day. You turn 31. You're going to be a full adult. You'll be that age where people can't be trusted anymore, anyone over 30, right? I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm completely done with my 20s and seeing nothing but goodness in my 30s. But you do know that those over 30 aren't supposed to be trusted by those younger. Do you think that's a good policy? Maybe you should have followed it. I definitely learned plenty of lessons, and I needed to learn by not listening to people older than me when I was 20. And I value that. But you're a music man, too, as well as having fought in the Middle East for some years. Where does your music go back to? How far back in your life does that go to? You, you're a banjo man, right? That's right. And I come from a musical family. My grandma, Betty Sue, she played the organ in the local Methodist church in Danville, Arkansas. And my mom played the uh, piano in a local Baptist church. And let me tell you, there was only two churches in town. 
the Baptist church and the Methodist church. And you didn't talk to Methodists if you went to the Baptist, and you didn't talk to Baptists if you went to the Methodist. So I was in a pickle in that situation alone. Unfortunately, I was never allowed to hear my grandma play, but I got to hear my mom play the piano a lot. What were the strictures if you talked, if you were communicating across the sectarian lines? Well, I mean, the, the basic difference for me at the ripe age of seven that I could observe because I would peek into that Methodist church every once in a while just to see what was going on. They would be dancing and moving all over the place and seeing it at the top of the lungs. Almost all of those things were completely forbidden in the Baptist church. You're expected to sit very still or stand still while singing calmly. So it was interesting to see that, that level of rejoice and, and uh, how things went down in that church compared to how I spent every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the seeds of dissent were planted in you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Uh, to some degree, maybe. <laughs> so your Baptist upbringing, was that a good experience for you, bad experience? How did that go? Well, it was it was interesting. I didn't have a whole lot to compare it to other than the Methodist Church. But I'm really grateful for it because I spent a lot of time singing and playing music. And it also gave me a lot of insights into Christianity and some foundation to this day for how I view the gospel of Jesus and its importance. And does that usually come out in your music? Do you have a long history of writing music? I absolutely love writing music, and I'll try to write about anything, but this recent subject matter focused more heavily on the soul and the heart and the spirit. So, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of things came out in that. As you heard, you probably heard some organ when you listen to the songs, and, and that, that's an old church pump organ. You have to pump it with your feet while you play it at the same time. And I really wanted that present on the album for my grandma. It made me feel like she was there in some way in this album. Although she never got to hear any of this music, I know she would very much appreciate that. So are you saying that the first songs that you wrote were more of maybe stuff like I Like My Car or Hooray for Peggy Sue or, you know, I mean, what kind of music did you write before? Yeah, it was, you know, the love songs, the heartache, uh, excitement, expectations, things like that were what I explored when I was a kid. You know, I didn't really start exploring war and faith in my music until the past couple of years when I started to give myself permission to go back to the war and to be wounded by the war and to be open and honest about that. That's when the, the gates really opened and I started writing about my experiences and so on. We should mention, on May 1st, you're going to have a CD release party there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. The album is The Soldier's Heart. Give folks a little bit of the background about how this came about. Soldier's Heart, the term in particular, is the American Civil War term for post-traumatic stress disorder. The American Civil War marked a crucial point in history and warfare one of the first times we really saw industrial warfare on the battlefield to that scale, and it revolutionized warfare globally. And as a result, the symptom and this condition that did exist before then, but, but wasn't really observed on this scale, started to emerge, and they called it soldier's heart. We now understand that same thing today as PTSD, but it's had many names over the years, and I really feel like the term soldier's heart for me, because I have PTSD, I get treatment for it at the VA and so on, I feel like soldier's heart really sums it up better for me than post-traumatic stress disorder. Because to some degree, I feel like my heart was broken. But it was 
it was more along the lines of a sacred contract that I had signed with my soul that caused that heartbreak instead of a, a sour relationship or something like that. And a marriage works pretty much the same way. You sign a sacred contract with your soul in marriage. You, you write something on paper and you also speak words out loud that are full of intent. And intent is the key piece of, of making something sacred. It, in order for something to be sacred, it has to have focused intent. So there's a sacred contract that we sign when we join the military. And some of us come out of that fire with a very strong moral bearing and decide that to some degree we are morally compromised through the choices that we have made and to some degree that affects our sacred contract. So Soldier's Heart, the album, really digs into what that contract is and how it works and just the overall wounding that we suffer collectively, not just soldiers, through war. Well, why don't you give us an example, Jacob, of the kind of music that you have on Soldier's Heart? What would you like to start out with? We can start out with Support the Troops. And Support the Troops, the song is a poem that I put together years ago. And I revisited that poem through the course of this album because the Support the Troops is a catchy phrase in our culture, especially when talking about veterans and helping veterans when they come home. And I think that's a really important thing for people to be thinking about, mainly for everyone else other than vets, is that we as veterans signed this sacred contract to protect. But we didn't sign it to protect international interests, corporations, greed, money, geopolitical interests. None of those things are why we signed it. We signed simply to protect. And it is the people who choose what to do with that contract. So... I find it very important that people take a strong interest in this phrase, support the troops, and what that means, because if we go do something immoral to fulfill that contract and suffer a moral injury through the course of that action, we aren't the only people responsible for that. It is also the responsibility of the people who asked us to go do it. There's a shared responsibility for these actions, and everyone is wounded through that process, not just the people who commit the acts. So I think wanting to support troops is a very important thing because it is, in essence, wanting to kill yourself from something else that you have said is okay and that people need to go do. Now, I think it gets thrown around a lot, and people maybe they want to say it because it makes it feel better, but they actually don't want to go the full extent of listening to what the troop has to say. So that's what the poem's about because... When I came home, and one of my, a lot of my veteran sisters and brothers have come home, we walk around in this culture, and people want to thank us and pat us on the back and honor us for what we've done, but rarely do they want us to actually tell them what it is that we did or how we feel or how we were affected. That is one of the most important parts in actually supporting a troop is listening to what happened. We've got some powerful music with a message here today for Song of the Soul. This is from Jacob George's CD to be released May 1st. It's called Soldier's Heart, and the song is Support the Troops. We just need to support the troops, is what they tell me. Well, this is coming from a troop, so listen carefully.
what we need are teachers who understand the history of this country. What we need is a decent living wage so people ain't cold and hungry. What we need are bicycle trails across this beautiful nation. What we need are trees and less playstations. What we need is a justice system that seeks the truth. What we need are more books and less boots. What we need is love for every woman and man. From southern Louisiana to the mountains of Afghanistan. Now it's true, the troops need support, the support to come home. We need a treatment and jobs and love for the soul. A love for the soul. You see, a war ain't no good for the human condition. I lost the piece of who I was on every single mission, and I'm telling you, don't. We support the troops and we're gonna bring war to one end I say We support the troops and we're gonna bring war to one end I say We support the troops and we're gonna bring war to one end I say We support the troops and we're gonna bring war Support the troops and we're gonna bring war to an end. I said, We support the troops and we're gonna bring war to an end. I said, We support the troops and we're gonna bring war to an end. I said, Support the troops by Jacob George. It's on his new release, Soldier's Heart. Out May 1st, follow the link from org to get to this music. It's great music that you'll want to have in your collection. Obviously, Jacob, you do that with a tremendous amount of heart. And some of it feels like a heart with tears, and some of it feels like a heart with some rage in it. I think probably they're both there. You say towards the end there that we shouldn't thank you for what you've done do you want to say more about that? I mean, I guess you're not proud of what you've done, or are you proud of part of it? How does that mixture of feelings go for you? It's interesting. It's very complex. 
I feel many things at one time when digging into this subject. On one hand, I am grateful to be honored for fulfilling my sacred contract to protect. The contract is older than war itself, and it is a very honorable thing. Now, where things get sticky in the situation for me is that I feel like my contract was taken advantage of, along with the entire generation. Their contract was used as well. So I will accept another veteran thanking me and know where that's coming from, because they're not necessarily thanking me for, for this nebulous idea. They're thanking me for being their brother, and I honor that. But where it gets sticky for me and, and a lot of veterans that I work with is when people come up and think us and then talk bad about the Afghan people or the people of Iraq and things like that, as if we're supposed to join in on this trash-talking of these, of these people who are just trying to live their lives. And that's, that could feel very terrible for someone, especially who's suffering from moral injury. So that's where it really gets sticky to me. And also, I feel that a warrior is never proud of committing such acts. A soldier might be, but there's a difference between a soldier and a warrior. A warrior has empathic understanding with the enemy, meaning causing pain or harm or anything of that nature to anyone else, to the enemy, you feel it yourself. And if you don't feel that, you can't call yourself a warrior. I think there's a misconception in this culture and in society around what a warrior is because you wouldn't walk around thanking a warrior for such a thing because you know the warrior feels a great deal of pain and heartache for having to do such a thing. It feels to me like you're leading up to your song, Warrior. Sure. That'd probably be a good segue. The song, Warrior is based around an event where veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan had requested that NATO generals at the NATO summit in Chicago in 2012 ceremoniously receive our medals. We wanted to give them back. We were inspired by our brothers and sisters in Vietnam who had done this. So we decided that we needed to do it as well. And it wasn't until I was in the middle of, of marching through the streets of Chicago. We had over 20,000 people behind us, and we were on our way to the gates. And by the way, the generals did not want to ceremoniously receive our medals, so <laughs> we just had to march as close as we could and throw them back. We're, we're marching down the road, and I'm looking around me, and we're in front of over 20,000 people. We're singing our songs, and surrounding us are veterans from past wars with a rope. There are elders. And elder is a very strong term to me. Elder, elder being someone who has a collective lived experience unique to my experiences that can help me accelerate my growth in this life. So Vietnam veterans hold that for me. Most of them have been walking their path of peace longer than I've been alive. So they can offer me things that can it cause me to accelerate my healing process. So surrounding us were these elders holding this rope and not allowing anyone to come near us as we were marching through the streets, creating a sacred container of ceremony for us to move through this process, a rite of passage in the warriorhood. And I've done many rituals and ceremonies to try to help myself heal, and I didn't view this as that. I viewed it as something political until I was in the middle of it doing it, and I started to realize oh my gosh, I'm going through this powerful ceremony in front of the world. 
and my elders are here keeping me safe and making sure that it happens. And that hit me in a very strong way, and I was crying half the way, half the way there. A lot of it's works. It was very emotionally, very powerful. So ultimately, what we wanted to do was we wanted to throw our medals back. We wanted to show the world that this country still has warriors, and we wanted to show ourselves that we are worthy of being called a warrior. This song's about the difference between a soldier and a warrior. You see, a soldier is loyal. A soldier is technically and tactically proficient. A soldier follows orders. Now, a warrior ain't so good at following orders. Because a warrior follows the heart. You see, a warrior has empathic understanding with the enemy. So much so that the very thought of causing pain to the enemy causes pain to the warrior. You see, a warrior understands that we fight to make a stand no matter the injustice we might see. And I'm telling you that's nothing but the truth. I'll be the best warrior I could be. Now, my veteran sisters and brothers and I had heard that NATO generals were going to be meeting in Chicago in early 2012. And we thought we'd give them the opportunity to honor us as warriors by returning our medals. So, we let them know what we wanted to do and told them we wanted them to ceremoniously receive them. And they refused. So we decided we were going to march straight to the gates of that summit and throw them back. Because we were seeking a rite of passage in the warriorhood. And we wanted to show the world that this country still has warriors. It was a hot and sunny day in Chicago As we lined up to march down the road With 20,000 strong there was nothing to go wrong as we sang songs through every barricade Now, I held my head high as I marched beside My sisters and brothers in arms And there's no better day than the day that we marched to the gates Of the NATO barricade I said, now a warrior understands that we fight to make a stand No matter the injustice we might see But the truth, I'll be the best of war I could be. Now, we carried our flag next to the Afghan flag to show the world where we stand. Surrounding us was a circle of trust by veterans of many wolves past. And their eyes sang songs as they marched along. Streets that were paved with police And that's okay Because they led the way Straight to the NATO barricade I said now A warrior understands That we fight to make a stand No matter the injustice we might see And I'm telling you That's nothing but the truth I'll be the best of war I could be I was a soldier for too many years I caused my 
fair share of war and fear. But that all changed the day I took the stage and told the world why I was there. artist is Jacob George, and he's not only an artist, he is a warrior with a warrior's heart, though this is from the album Soldier's Heart, which is to be released on May 1st in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You can get there following the link from northernspiritradio.org. Oh, you've got such powerful music, Jacob, and you've got upbeat music. I mean, sometimes your songs... I, they give more life even when they're struggling with death. That's the the feeling I have. As I follow you into that song, I feel the building emotions within you. You do a great job of conveying it. I realized partway through it that that returning of the metals, that's what Carey did. And that's one of the things people did through at his feet. Criticism of him that he's not patriotic because he returned his medals. He wasn't proud of what happened in Vietnam. I don't suppose he was one of the elders supporting you there. He should have been, of course. You know, that was I had the very same things going through me internally when I was getting ready to do it. And a lot of us did. We were talking to each other about how we felt this strange tug inside of that was saying, don't do this, or that this is dishonorable, or this is cowardly, or this is going to cause all kinds of things to happen that we don't want. And so we, a lot of us were wrestling with this internal struggle of just going through the physical act of doing this in front of people. Uh, up until the point that I did it, and even a little bit afterwards, I was still conflicted. Like, should I have done that? Is this the right thing to do? I now know it is. I've had enough time to process it and put it in the context and, and see how it changed me and transformed me. But at the time, I would say that, you know, we were all struggling with pretty much everything you can think of around doing something like that. You've mentioned several times moral injury, and I want our listeners to know that moral injury is actually a specific diagnosis that can happen now. It's not just PTSD. It's a subset, perhaps, or related to PTSD. But if you go to NordenSpiritRadio.org, search for Rita Nakashima Brock. My most recent interview with her, she talked about the center they've opened, the Soul Repair Center they've opened at Bright Divinity School which deals specifically with moral injury. 
Could you say a little bit more about how you, Jacob, learned about moral injury? If Actually, even before you do that, could you tell us when you served? Sure. I served between 2000 and 2004. I'm a three-tour veteran of the war in Afghanistan. My first tour was about a month after September 11th. I was 19. My second tour was the summer of 2002. My third was 2003 into 2004. I was a sergeant in the Army and a paratrooper. Yeah, this moral injury thing is its a big deal. Some people argue, and I agree with these arguments, that veterans speaking out against war or veterans immobilizing on the scale of thousands to challenge the narrative of war is a sign of moral injury, that anti-war work in itself is a symptom of being morally injured. And I agree with that. I see that in the communities that we work in as veterans who want to challenge the narrative of war. Unfortunately, this is kind of a hot topic when I go talk to my counselor at the VA. <laughs> uh, you know, she tries to keep me away from discussing this, but I would like to live in a world where we can admit that uh, an anti-war veteran is someone crying for help after being morally injured, and they deserve compensation, and they deserve benefits just for the mere fact that they would be willing to dedicate their lives to being an anti-war veteran, because that, to me, is a clear sign of being morally injured. But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. You know, for example, I would go as far as to say is VA officials would not have advised us to march through the streets of Chicago and throw our medals back at the NATO summit. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? They would advise you against that? Amazing. Huh. I'm, I'm assuming so. But the reality is, for those of us who are morally injured, that was the most healing ceremony we could possibly do. There's no therapy that we could go do at the VA that could compare to that action. So we, because of the political nature of veterans and of war, some of us who have moral specific injuries are a little hamstrung in our healing process. And we, to some degree, have to go outside of the current medical model that we have available to us in order to take on our healing. Obviously, it shouldn't be that way, but it's also kind of a positive thing because we get to make it up as we go. And there's something to be said about owning our own treatment and healing ourselves. So on that note, I'd like to to talk about the song, They Call Me Hero. They Call Me Hero is based off of a poem that I read by Sean Casey. He is a post-9-11 veteran in the global war on terror. The first time I read this poem, it just, oh, I just cried and cried and cried because it said some things I've been trying to figure out how to say. I felt this struggle going on inside of me. I didn't know what it was, but I felt like I was being ripped apart. The poem is called, They Call Me Son, They Call Me Hero. In a nutshell, when I got back from Afghanistan and got out of the military, my family and my community treated me as if I was Jacob, their son. But I no longer felt like this person that they were projecting on me, and I couldn't fulfill that expectation anymore. Although I was their son, this vision of their son that they were shining on me didn't resonate with who I was. It made me feel a little anxious and dislocated. And at the same time, my country was projecting onto me Sergeant George, the hero. 
And I didn't feel like that either. But I was having to fulfill these expectations by living these projections and these visions of myself. And I really didn't have anyone where I could sit down and say, look, I'm none of these things. I don't feel like this. I just need to talk about what happened inside of me and, and figure out who I am now. So I, that stayed inside of me and it stayed bottled up. And I think war trauma in particular, this is where it, this can moral, veer away from moral injury, but it does still play into it. PTSD and war trauma, and in some ways, war trauma to this day is a botched rite of passage ceremony. War wasn't always conducted like it is right now. There, there were times on this planet when war was conducted acoustically, and this was, can only be done by warriors. That means you go into battle and you tap each other. You don't kill or hurt each other because you have respect for each other. And you know that, to some degree, conflict is part of the natural order on this planet and in existence, period. It's what you do with conflict that really makes a difference in this world. What's happening in this botched kind of passage ceremony is that we go to war as sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, and then we come home, but we're never truly acknowledged for who we transformed into. So we're stuck in this liminal stage of existence, somewhere in between I am not who I was when I left now, and I'm also not this thing that you're projecting on me at this point in time. I'm stuck somewhere in there because I'm not allowed to tell my story, and what has happened inside of me is not honored publicly. Because everyone around me needs to project onto me my vision of myself for me to feel fully integrated. Otherwise, it's like I'm having to live a lie. So that song or, or that poem, when I read that poem, just summed all of this up for me. And I was so grateful and still am to show up for writing that because it really opened a door inside of me and gave me permission to talk about this thing I've been struggling with and trying to figure out how to talk about. And here's the musical result of that struggle. The song is They Call Me Hero by Jacob George. Call me son, they call me hero But to me, I'm neither I'm not what you think of me I'm not that boy that left I've danced with death Sacrifice 
gave me metal to validate their lies now. The colorful clanging on my chest. It comes up like a lullaby. To me, I'm neither. They call me son. They call me hero. But to me, I'm neither. Puts my heart at unease. Parades and flags can't change what I done. And there's no honor in what I become. George's song, They Call Me Hero. He's my guest here today for Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. I'm your host for this Northern Spirit Radio production 
on the web at northernspiritradio.org where you'll find almost eight years of archives of Spirit in Action and Song of the Soul. You can listen and download the programs. You can find links to our guests, like to Jacob George, and you'll find a place to connect to his CD. I recommend it highly to everyone. Every song on the CD is a gem. You'll also find a place to leave comments. We welcome your comments. We love having two-way communication. There's a place to leave donations. Donations are extremely helpful. And we also encourage you to support your local community radio stations with your donations. The way that we work together to make this a better world is so important. And there's so much good heart and good soul at work here, like with Jacob George, that it deserves your support wherever you're sitting. Jacob George's new CD is coming out on May 1st. The CD release party will be in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and the name is Soldier's Heart. The last song, They Call Me Hero. Again, I can't I can't say enough. I'm I'm afraid I'm going to sound like a broken record here. <laughs> <laughs> powerful, powerful stuff that you're saying and writing and sharing. In some ways, your music is much more simple than the norm is out there. And I think that for all of that, it's more powerful because I feel that direct connection. You mentioned earlier, support the troops, that you didn't want people coming up and thanking you because they didn't really know, thanking you for the service, what it is. And even that phrase, support the troops, I saw it sometimes that way, support the troops, and other people had support the troops and President Bush. How did you feel about those signs at that time or maybe in the aftermath? Did you go through a change of perspective on this? I understand why people feel that way. I understand the fear that was generated after 9-11, and I understand that crisis such as that brings this yearning for solidarity and community to make everyone feel like we're on the same page and we're going to pull through this. And at the time, I believed in the war and how we were fighting it and the reasons where we were, we were fighting it and things like that. It wasn't until I really came home and started to process things years later that I was able to draw a critical analysis on my personal actions and the overall effect of violent conflict in Afghanistan. So things do bubble up in me still to this day around those issues, but at the same time, I try to practice seeing it from both sides of the fence because I know what it feels like to be on both sides of the fence, and I want to hold on to that. I don't want to wind up stuck on one side and not be able to go back to the other. Sometimes as I'm listening to your music, Jacob, I want to hug you. (laughs) That's one thing. And I frequently want to cry. It's so real what you've been going through. This is Song of the Soul that everybody's listening to. It's clear to me that your heart has been transformed through this. You grew up, I, maybe you had a, a Baptist heart and soul to, to start off with. Do you see a change as having come part about in your soul as well? Totally. Totally, totally. I now, coming out on the other end of all this, I'm definitely way healthier and way more grounded than I've ever been right now. And this project has really helped me get to that point. It's definitely allowed me to turn my trauma 
into transformation. Earlier I talked about this debauched rite of passage ceremony of going to war. In many traditional cultures, people who are going to fulfill certain roles who need to open doorways of perception internally in order to fulfill those roles are put through very intense ceremonies, usually death ceremonies, in order to cause transformation. So in a ceremoniously way, in a ceremonial way, they were using trauma as a vehicle for transformation. But it was done with care. It was done with intent. So I feel like in taking my wounds seriously and in owning them and in viewing them as a vehicle for transformation, I have to some degree been able to turn my trauma into transformation. For that reason, I have come up with a new name for PTSD. <laughs> Uh, and instead of post-traumatic stress disorder, I now call it Pathways of Transformation and Sacred Development. Sacred being interchangeable with intentional development. And I think that is way more fitting for where I'm at right now and what's going on with this. And I do want to backtrack a little bit. You said that this it kind of made you want to cry a little bit listening to this album. And that's usually what happens when I... I've played this set three times live now just to test it out, and there's points where half the room is crying with me while I'm playing this music, and that's important. It really fills my heart with joy that, that you, you're telling me that it makes you want to cry because a very wise medicine woman here in Arkansas once shared with me that grief is pain trying to leave the body, and if you don't let it leave, it can get stuck, and it can cause dis-ease to spread through the body. And if we truly want to heal from everything, all of our traumas, we have to grieve. We have to let the pain go. So it makes me feel very warm inside to know that in some way I'm helping facilitate letting this pain go because I'm not the only one wounded by this. We're all wounded by this, and we all need to grieve to some degree and just let it go. Do you still think of yourself as a Baptist? Well, I wear many hats now. Whenever I'm a, whenever I'm around my family, I can I can talk about that more. I do very much subscribe to the gospel of Jesus and his nonviolent convictions. That uh, has been a very strong guiding light for me, especially in my current transformation. Going back and revisiting what Jesus actually did. What did the historical Jesus do? What was the significance of Jesus doing uh, supposedly what Jesus did on Passover? Why was it important for Jesus to challenge Roman authority in Jerusalem? What was really going on politically behind some of these actions that we read about in the Bible? Going back and, and revisiting a lot of those things has been very helpful for me because I now see Jesus in some lights as this great example of what nonviolent conviction really is. Here's a guy who had all this power to influence people and could have asked anyone to pick up a weapon and to challenge Roman authority, to push Rome out of the sacred spaces in Jerusalem. But instead, he resisted nonviolently, and he offered his life through nonviolence. And I think that is the ultimate testament of a warrior. A true warrior doesn't have to pick up a weapon in order to fight. That is the last thing a warrior does. So growing up Baptist, revisiting all these things, and going through this transformation in my life, I've found a lot of inspiration in the story of Jesus, and I can now go back to it and view it with a different lens and honor how important and powerful it was for me to be exposed to that and to understand it the way I do now. 
There's some powerful transformation going on there. We have to close out shortly. Give us one more song, would you please, Jacob? Sure. The 188. Now, the 188 is a fighter wing in Fort Smith, Arkansas, just south of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I had gone to a, a local bar to hear my brother's band play. I have a brother that's nine years younger than me. In that band is an uh, Afghan veteran. His name's Alan. And Alan saw me come in, and, and he wanted to talk to me. He said, hey, I've got a cousin here tonight. He's an Afghan veteran, and he's struggling. Uh, it'd be really nice if you could talk to him. I was like, sure, of course. So he pointed him out toward, uh, to me, and he, you know, he's sitting over at the bar. So I go over to the bar and sit down with him, and we strike up a conversation. And he asked me if he can buy me a beer and, and military speak. That's Let's talk about stuff. So I got comfortable there with him. And we talked for a little while, and he told me a little bit of his story. He told me that he had loaded munitions and explosives onto A-10 fighter jets. He said he put around 8,000 pounds of munitions and explosives on these things when they would land because they were empty. He said every time he had to watch that thing take off, he kind of wondered where that was going and what was going on because it would come back empty. But they never knew. They stayed on the base the whole time. And he told me that when he got back, he started having trouble sleeping. And he started feeling really anxious. And he started feeling a lot of tension internally. And I thought this was pretty interesting. I thought it was very interesting, actually, because usually PTSD is thought of as something that happens when you experience combat, when you're pulling a trigger, when someone's shooting at you or you're taking indirect or direct fire, uh, you're burned, maybe sexually assaulted. Any of the many forms of trauma you can be exposed to in the military, that's what causes it. But the issue with this guy was he hadn't experienced any of those things. He never left the base. And somehow he has the symptoms of PTSD. And so do a lot of veterans who have never experienced any of those things. Ultimately, as we were talking about these things, what dawned on me was this guy is morally injured. This guy has been wounded just from participating in war. He didn't have to do any of those things that we think you have to do to be injured. All he had to do was participate in the overall action. And I think this is really important for all of us to understand, especially the VA. People like him aren't allowed to make claims for benefits because they don't have these gruesome, over-the-top stories that can be used to convince an official at the VA that they deserve compensation or benefits for participating in war. And that's unfair. He is just as damaged as someone who is in direct combat. I thought that was an incredibly important and powerful story for this album because that song and the story in that song really sums up how you can be dramatically altered and to some degree damaged just from participating in war. You don't even have to leave the base. And that's the basis for this song, the 188th by Jacob George. We're going to close out today's Song of the Soul with the song, 188th. Jacob, I'm not going to repeat it again. I've said it too many times, perhaps, during this interview. Your music's incredible. Your story's incredible. And I'm so thankful to meet you and your heart and your soul. Thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. It's these opportunities to share my voice that helps me heal. So I really appreciate that. I'll remind you that support for this program came from Friends Journal, a monthly magazine whose mission is to communicate Quaker experience in order to connect and deepen spiritual lives, online at friendsjournal.org. 
Also, we had so much to share with Jacob George that we've had to put a bit of this interview out on NordenSpiritRadio.org. Look for the bonus excerpts there, including his song, Playground of War. We close with Jacob George, the 188th. Well, I fought for the 188th. I packed my bags to meet my fate. And off I went to pay my rent. I've been a patriot since I was eight. So there I was with the old fighter wing. Fighting the war no one could see With 8,000 pounds of bombs and rounds We'll load it all up as we all sing Hey ho, here we go Load them up and watch them go Hey ho, here we go Load them up and watch them go After 12 long months of war I got home to do my chores But instead I laid in bed I could see that A-10 sword here we go, hold on up and watch him go. Hey ho, here we go, hold on up and watch him go. Well, I went to the bar every night, tried to drink away all my pain and fright. But what could I do when the drinking was through? But dream about the war every night. Hey ho, here we go, hold on up and watch him go. Hey ho, here we go, hold on up and watch him go. But it'll have to wait cause I got a date Uncle Sam needs 12 more for me Hey ho, here we go Hold on to my band, watch him go Hey ho, here we go Hold on to my band, watch him go Hey ho, here we go Hold on to my band, watch him go I said hey ho, here we go Where they all go Nobody knows the theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song